welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Alrighty, I'm back. Back to get at these questions. Got some good questions here. Uh, These questions are from you Instagram followers. This is pretty cool. Uh, Several good ones. Way more than I can keep up with. I'm going to plan on, um, for now, these other ones that I've got that I'm not going to be answering on here. You'll see them in the Q&As on the new website. So, there's going to definitely be some times where I post Q and A's to the ask dud section. Um, but for now let's get into a few of these subjects. So, um, let's see the first, let's see. First subject. First question actually is, uh, have I shot the new prime synergy bow and what do I think about it? I haven't shot it. Um, I haven't shot it. Sorry about that. But, um, I've got some friends that use them and like them, so um, I think Prime's making making a good bow, and there's some good shooters, and definitely some of my old friends that are using them and and enjoying them. So if if you're a Prime person, then uh, definitely worth heading to a shop and giving it a try. I haven't personally tried it, but like I said, I do have some friends that I know are um, trustworthy that have um, told me that they liked it. So, uh, next question here is from uh, Collins underscore 77. He's actually got two questions back to back, so I'll just answer them both. They look pretty quick. Um, the first question is, are you going to be at the Red Deer Valley shoot this year in Canada? Um, I really, really wish that I could because uh, I enjoy that shoot. If any of you are up in Canada listening right now, I can tell you there's two shoots that you must do. The first shoot is going to be the Red Deer Valley shoot. Um, Super important to do that one. And then the next shoot that you need to do is... I'm just going to look right here. I'm going to see if I can find the flyer, actually, and read it out to you. Because my good buddy Jamie... Here we go. Let's see. My good buddy Jamie just... Um, so that the second annual Red Deer Valley shoot, it's a marked 3D shoot. It was actually a format that I had um, worked with them on doing, and it's June 10th and 11th um, up in up in um, Red Deer, Alberta, and it's at the Canyon Ski Resort, and it's hosted by Wolverine Archery Center. So if you want to, um, if you want to get involved with that make sure you contact uh, Wolverine Archery and make sure you get registered this is a really fun shoot you can camp Uh, great people really really good friends up there Um, it's a super fun shoot beautiful place good food Uh, definitely some fun nightlife festivities Um, unfortunately I'm not going to be able to be there so pretty much sucks. If it would have been the weekend before that, I would have been okay. Well, actually, I originally I would have been okay, but now I'm not going to be okay because um, I might as well just do some dates 
uh, archery dates. So I've got a few things that um, all of you, if you want to see me, there's a few things you're going to be able to see me for. Um, that weekend, June 10th and 11th, you're not going to be able to see me because uh, I'm going to be with some of my friends on a Hawaiian island chasing around furry animals and enjoying some family time um, and some barbecue time. But the weekend before that, this is, write this down, everybody, one month, one month from now, I will be in Austin, Texas. I'm going to be doing several events um, specifically for the Yeti flagship store. Um, so we're going to be doing a Yeti flagship store. We're going to have um, more details are going to come, but just mark it down on your calendar. Um, June, I believe it's going to be third. We're going to open it up to people that come in as a customer appreciation for archery country. Uh, my really good buddies there at archery country, amazing shop, great shop for, um, all bow brands, but, uh, we're going to do a cool event and they're going to be able to bring in, um, some of their, some of their loyal customers to, to, a to a private, um, seminar with me, which is going to be cool. I'm going to do that as a favor, uh, back to Brendan awesome guy, great shop. And, uh, anytime I can support a really good archery shop, I'm going to. So, uh, yep. I'll be in Austin June or uh, Friday, the second, third and fourth. Um, then let's see the next dates is I will be coaching at the world archery excellence center in Switzerland. Uh, those dates are Hold on, people. I'll tell you momentarily. Tentatively, we're going to be doing a training day for Compound Archers training weekend. It's a three-day seminar, Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday at the World Archery Excellence Center in Lausanne. Um, it's going to be the 7th, 8th, and 9th. Um, so... It's pretty much going to be uh, a full seminar with shooting, um, tuning form, mental, physical. We're going to do the whole thing. It's going to be a le legit training session. And then um, the following Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I will be doing a coaching workshop and coaching seminar for Olympic coaches and national team coaches. Um, if you're interested in that, you need to actually contact the World Archery Excellence Center. Um, Juan Carlos is going to be organizing. So uh, go to www.worldarcherycenter.org and you can sign up. I know that uh, with the national teams that are already booked in, space is going to get limited really fast. But if you're interested, make sure you make sure you come. It's going to be a good time, no doubt about it. Um, let's see. Getting into the next question here, uh, Brad eighty one MX is asking: Is acetone okay to remove glue from carbon shafts? Um, yeah, it is. You just don't want to soak it in there. Sometimes people do like acetone baths where they actually 
just put their arrows upside down in a jar of acetone for a long time. And there does come a point where you'll start to break that carbon or the resin down if you leave it in there too long. So um, I would recommend not going crazy with it. Um, probably the best thing you can do is buy what's called a zip strip tool. Zip strip tools, they're a little tool, really cool. Um, super easy to remove fletching, um, glue, or vinyl. Uh, funny enough, they're made, it's kind of dished out so that it can ride along the shaft. But what I found, amazingly enough, is if you flip it upside down, it actually works better. Um, but it's a great little tool for removing that. And um, the other thing I do is I always use Comet and a Scotch pad. And then I'll put some Comet on that Scotch pad, put a little bit of water on there. And then just really scrub down that shaft and rinse it off well. You'll see, I mean, it'll almost, the water will almost bead differently off the shaft when you run your water on it. You'll be able to see, you know, if you're kind of moving the shaft under the water uh, spigot, you'll be able to see the area where you've cleaned it properly and where it was still has oil on there from where you touched it. So that works really, really well. Um, so don't be afraid to ruin the shaft. Just be smart about, um, not dunking it in there forever. And honestly, that's another reason why I'm a big advocate of vinyl. I know some people don't like vinyl because they don't ha want to have to redo the entire thing as soon as they, um, as soon as they, they, uh, take one vein off. But honestly, if you, if you shoot a vein off and you need to replace a vein, this little tool right here, you can actually slide this tool and just pull one vein off. Um, and if you needed to, you could always do a little patch job on there um, just to get you by. So, uh, and good vinyl, I think, is important. I think uh, it saves the integrity of your arrow. And honestly, with the right tool, removing it isn't a problem at all. It's easy to remove, and uh, you know you're gonna save you're gonna save your arrow shaft. You're gonna prevent carbon from going in your hand. Um, giving a wave to everyone that's watching here on the on the broadcast. So uh, let's see. Moving on to the next question. This is from Top Climber Nine. He's saying, "What's wrong with my setup?" I'm 29 inch. I'm a 29 inch draw. Shoot 65 pounds, but I can't shoot further than 68 yards um, without contact on my scope housing. I've seen other people sight tapes out to over 100 yards with the same draw weight and draw length as me. So, uh, yeah, hey, there's a couple things here. Um, either one, you're shooting a super super heavy arrow like this one that I built yesterday. Um, I built this arrow last night, uh, another arrow that I was building out of curiosity. I did some math yesterday on arrows. I'll get into that in a minute, but this arrow is 700 grains. And um, funny enough with that arrow, the most I could get on my scale was 68 yards. So if you're shooting a heavy arrow like that, a really heavy arrow, your arc is, certainly going to be slow enough to where you're not going to be able to achieve it. 
However, let's factor out the possibility that the strong possibility you're not shooting a 700 grain arrow and the the most common thing that's going to be relating to that is the fact that your anchor point is too high and if your anchor point's too high then what happens is your peep is lower in your string and the lower your peep is in your string the lower your sight is going to have to be on your scale in order for you to look through that properly so if you're the type of person that pulls back and you like to kind of put your, if, you know, I'm assuming you have a wrist strap, but if you have a wrist strap and you're kind of coming to an anchor more on the side of your ear, um, then your peep is going to be low in that string. Uh, honestly, most people are going to have a peep sight. Um, in a lot of the hunting bows now, peep sights are going to be somewhere around that six inch mark. Uh, when you anchor properly, when you're holding your release aid, um, you've got a separation between your index finger and your middle finger. That separation needs to go on your jawline. So if you're on that jaw on that jawline with your separation, then you're gonna when you look at a picture of yourself, your arrow shaft is gonna be sitting right in the safe zone of your face, which is between your lips and your chin bone. It's gonna be right into that concave safe spot, spot of your face. And if it's there, then unless you have a wacky shaped head, um, the distance from where that arrow is to the average person's eye is gonna be about six inches. It's gonna be four inches if you measure it full draw. Now this is another valid point that's important for people you know, earlier we had someone ask, um, have I shot one bow? And I said, you know, no, I hadn't shot it. But let's just say I've got a bow that I'm shooting right now. I love it. It's shooting really good, but I want to get a new one. And I want to make sure it feels the same as fast as possible. Then what's important or an important measurement for you guys to know is, and this really helps if you have a shooting machine, but you can come to full draw and have someone measure that. But if you come to full draw and you have some measure from the center of the arrow shaft in a vertical plane straight up to the center of the peep sight. So in other words, when you're at full draw, your string is making a triangle. Um, but instead of following the string all the way down to the top of the knocking point, actually go from the peep sight straight down to the center of the shaft and that measurement which is essentially the measurement from your eyes straight down to the to the safe part of your face that measurement is going to always be the same for you regardless of what axle to axle length your bow is so if you have a bow uh, that has a, a long axle to axle length what happens is when you come to full draw um, the string angle isn't near as sharp so your peep will actually be at a lower position when the bow is at rest and it'll still be in the correct position when it's at full draw. However, if you shoot a shorter bow, like for example, if I went from shooting my target bow um, to shooting, say, a 31-inch um, Pro Defiant, that string angle, the triangle at full draw is much sharper. So what happens is because it's sharper, 
when I let the bow down, my peep is actually higher in the string when the bow is at rest. But when I pull back and, it, and that triangle pinches down, the peep comes back down to the same level um, you know, at full draw as it would with any bow. So knowing that measurement from your peep straight down to the center of your shaft at full draw is a really, really important measurement for you to have. And, it, and if you're comfortable with your shooting, it's great to be able to go get a bow, set the draw length exactly where you want it to, pull that bow back with an arrow on it on a shooting machine, and go ahead and just measure from your shaft straight up to where it meets the string. And if you know that measurement, you can mark it and put your peep in right there. And regardless of the height of your peep at full or when the bow is at rest, it will be in the correct spot when it's at full draw. Um, my measurement's four inches, just just barely under four inches. So whether I'm shooting, well, to give you an example, when I shot, I shot a thirty inch, um, I shot a thirty inch Alpha Max one year. Uh, just because that was the first bow that they had available at the time coming out of the factory. Uh, my peep height was like six and a half inches um, when the bow was at rest, when I measured from the top of the knock straight up to the center of the peep. It was six and a half inches. Um, however, you know, when I look at like my target bows, for example, my Prevail, my peep sits at about five and three quarter inches. But again, when they both come to full draw, my distance from the peep straight down to the center of the shaft is just under four inches. So with your issue, you're going to need to make sure you take a good look at a picture of yourself. Um, this will be pretty quick. If you look and your, and your arrow shaft is like level with your lips, um, then I can just tell you right off the bat, your peep sight is uh, too low in your string. And that's why your sight is having to start out so low as well so um, and the other thing too is some sites uh, have a massive housing and the pins don't get to go all the way close down to the bottom of the housing and that kind of sucks because it does give up um, some of your some of your range so you know I would personally I would say you know watch out for that um, you know, you want to have a sight that allows you to move that bottom pin as low as possible. Um, the other thing too is, and this guy's really got terrible form. Yesterday, my buddy uh, Ryan Broncos sent me this picture from that of an ad from uh, Buckle Jeans, and I'm trying to show everyone watching this at this picture. I can't really. It's, but oh man, it sucks. I can't show him. It's not focusing on it, but anyway, uh, this guy has form that's beyond terrible. He's uh, he's got his hand way up. His anchor point is literally a level with his eye, almost like he's shooting a bear bow, and he's almost he's kind of looking down the top of the arrow shaft. So if that guy had a sight on his bow, it would definitely have to be sitting on the top of his arrow shaft. So take a look at that and that's one good thing uh, once the website the new website is fully functional you know if you were if you were um, a gold or a platinum member you would be able to have your pictures 
of yourself just in your profile. So if by chance you were one of the people that got your question drawn and I was to answer it right now, I would be pulling your picture up and telling you exactly um, what you could do to fix that problem. Uh, so I appreciate it, dude. Thank you uh, for sending the question for sure. And yeah, I think uh, get that get that peep site a little higher in the string, get your anchor point uh, a little bit lower or preferably just in the correct place and you're going to be really good to go. Uh, let's see, I'm going to get back, try to find um, find the next question here. The next question is from C. Davis uh, the third or triple I. Uh, can you use a shooting machine to set your sight tape? Yeah, you can certainly use a shooting machine to set your sight tape as long as you're actually sighting down your shooting machine um, the same way as how you would look um, through and center your scope within your peep sight. So in other words, um, it's important whenever you're making a scale that you always make a perfect eclipse um, with your peep and your aiming housing. You don't want to, you know, sometimes people can make a small little mistake you know, if they've got, if they've got, uh, you know, there's front scope housing, let's just say I'm kind of showing people here live. Let's just say you've got your scope housing and you, and you're trying to center, you know, I really like it to where I can just barely start to not see the bottom edge of my bubble with the bottom edge of my peep. And then I really check my left and right um, framing by on my particular bow when my cable guard flexes in my cables sit just on the right edge of my scope so if I can see my cables or if all of a sudden I can't see my cables I know my left and right is definitely off but on the bottom all I do is I make sure when I'm framing I pay attention to the very bottom edge and I make sure that I can just see uh, just a hint of daylight under my level and then what happens is you know if I start to sometimes if I shoot longer distance it's easy to start falling out of your peep like where your peep starts to come low they call it falling out of your peep just because you you're trying to aim at a different plane so your peep a lot of times starts to creep down and you start to have more space underneath and essentially what you're doing when you change your framing with your peep sight, you're actually moving your aiming point higher low so you don't get a true reading. So if you're going to use a shooting machine to sight in, you got to look through your, your peep, make sure you have perfect framing where the pin is in the center of the target, and then go ahead and squeeze that shot off, get your 20 and then work your way out. You know, I personally like to get a 20 and an 80, and then I find a scale that matches perfectly between there, um, and it works really, really well. I actually sighted in uh, two bows yesterday uh, out to 100 yards, and I started out by just, I actually got a 20, then I got a 60. I printed a scale, went to 80. One of them, the scale was off by about a yard, so I put a new scale on. 20, 80, we're both dead on. So then I went to 100 and it's right on the money. So um, 
yeah, you can use it. It's probably better to use it because you can keep your bow at full draw and really do that framing properly. And, uh, and you're going to have much more accurate, uh, much more accurate marks that way. Um, so scuba Steve M eight is asking, once you anchor to the jawline, does your hand slide along your jaw to break the shot or is it completely fixed? Um, so this is actually this, I'm going to let you guys see this, um, fingers crossed. It's actually, um, Friday right now. I didn't get to finish this podcast up yesterday morning. I got so busy, uh, but it's actually Friday morning here for this part two. So fingers crossed, uh, we're able to kind of flip the switch on part of the beta versions tonight. Like I said, everyone out there, uh, with the new site, make sure you guys bear with us. It's going to take us time to continually load. There's certain features that are just getting built every day, uh, different galleries and the ability to, for me to start loading photos in galleries and start for me to start loading videos. All these little things that, um, that are kind of part of this beta. Again, I'm launching the beta about a month earlier than when we're going to be able to really go live and start you know, letting everyone interact. Um, but I want people to kind of get familiar with it. But in my profile, I have a picture that is um, that is a slow motion of me shooting um, a silverback release, actually. Um, and I want you guys to pay attention to that. You can go to my profile um, within the, the new site. And look at my pictures. There's pictures of me um, in my shooting stance, my sh you know broadside, close up of my face, close up of my grip, close up of my feet, and then there's a slow motion of me coming through my shot. And what you'll notice is, as soon as my finger comes off the the safety and comes around, you'll notice that my hand position never changes, even in slow motion. The hand stays perfectly solid, and the motion of me coming through my shot is is a motion that's activated by pulling that elbow towards the wall behind me using the center muscles, the rhomboid muscles in my back, minor muscles. It's slow and smooth, pulling through till the shot breaks, and you'll see that my that my um, follow through is actually following. Um, the angle of my jawline and that's simply because I am trying to keep those fingers on that jawline as I'm pulling through. Um, now one thing uh, the other day when I was coaching Justin, uh, you know I sensed uh, some I sensed some hesitation and a little bit of manipulation when he was working his hinge release. Um, a lot of people have the same issue. They really want to know, you know, how do I work a hinge release? And hinge releases can be manipulated a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, I think there's certainly people that are going to get along better with the hinge than other releases. Um, just when it comes to the surprise shot, but in Justin's case, and in a lot of people's cases, especially when you start to use a clicker, um, you start as soon as that click happens, you know that you're actually at a point where you could make the shot happens happen if you want. And you know, with with Justin, I kind of just said, dude, 
can I just get you on a silverback? I know you like this release, but honestly, I mean, there's like little demons in your head. I can see them kind of in the in the glaze of your eye. I can see those little suckers in there thinking about um, anticipation, and we need to squash those while we can. So, you know, we got him into a silverback, and he shoot he shot it good, but he was almost trying to make it happen too fast. And this is one thing that I really want to uh, get a video out for those of you shooting a silverback. Um, you know, those releases teach you so much. Uh, if you're someone that wants um, the quick placebo, then you're going to end up selling that release after a few days because you're going to shoot it and you're going to expect to immediately change. And it's just like anything, you know, I've got a few pounds I want to lose right now. Uh, there's nothing I'm going to do to, to, to burn fat in five days. I mean, you know, this is a three or a four week process. That's just how it, how it works. Nothing good comes that quick. So, you know, you need to be patient with it and you really need to learn how to keep that hand rigid and keep that pull slow and continual. And I actually told Justin the same thing. I said, hey, you've got the slow motion video for my profile. Just go watch it. Watch it several times, look through and envision yourself doing that same thing. And I said, you know, getting a shot to fire and getting a shot to activate, it's a lot I referred to it because he told me that his daughter's getting to the age where she's going to start driving. I said, you know, when you first teach your kid how to drive, you're kind of always bracing yourself like at the stops and the starts because they haven't quite got the the concept down of slightly in you know, accelerating until you're going the speed. And I said, it's like that. It's it's like when your kid is driving and they finally ease up to a stop sign and the car stops and then it starts going and you're up to the speed that you wanted to be at without you having to rock forward when they hit the brakes or jolt back. And the same is true with your shot. You want to be able to, to draw back and you want to have enough control and feeling to where when you hit that wall you're kind of coming into that wall without banging against the back of the wall. You want to come into it. You want to hit the wall. You want to have a little bit of preload there. You want to make sure that you're on the wall, but you don't want to be pulling so hard on it to where it's going to, you know, it's like pulling way back on a rubber band and a paper clip and freaking letting that thing launch. You kind of want to do it gradual. And then once you let off the safety, that's a lot like being stopped at the stop sign already. You know, you're not, you don't want to just jam on the gas, you know, which is probably a bad example because I drive a Ram and I, I like to jam on the gas all the time. But if I was, uh, you know, if, if I had Harry in the car, I'd want him to, you know, let his foot off the accelerator. The car's going to start moving and then slowly easing that down and continually building and accelerating until that shot breaks on its own. So there's a fine line there. You don't, you know, just because you let off the safety doesn't mean you have to like, 
you know, let off the safety and, oh, I'm on the dot. I got to get it to go. I mean, you don't, that's not what you want. And people start to do that same thing with the hinge. You know, hinges aren't, aren't target panic proof either or anticipation proof. Hinges easily can be manipulated to, you know, make them go off, especially if you have a clicker. If you have a clicker, then I can tell you right now, you you know you're on the edge already, so you can make it fire whenever you want. That's why I'm not a big fan of the clicker. And actually, um, some very good archers that are on the circuit right now, I know that the flaws in their shots have come from the fact that they started shooting clickers. And it's definitely a problem. See, a lot of archers, even good ones, will have a, a period of time where they're shooting uh, a trigger release really well and then all of a sudden a little anticipation sneaks in and that anticipation slips in and next thing you know they're kind of getting after the trigger a little bit so then they switch to a hinge release and with the hinge release they're worried about it firing when they don't want it to so they decide to shoot it with a clicker so that they have a safety built in. The problem is the clicker is telling you it's an identifier of when it's going to go off. I mean, imagine having a um, a caliper release to where you could squeeze the trigger until it clicked, and then you know as soon as you move one thousandths more, that thing's going to fire. If we put clickers in, in um, wrist strap releases, there would definitely be some serious target panic going on because everybody would be squeezing on that trigger till it clicked and then just being ready to rip it. Um, and for a few people, it'd probably work good. But for the majority of us, it would be, it would be a death trap to, uh, to go down that road. So follow your jawline, slow build let off the safety and just really think about that image that I told you of teaching your kid to accelerate without wanting to rip my neck my neck back when you jam on the gas. You know, learning that accelerator to where you can push on it just enough to where you're not feeling a jolt. That's really what you want with the silverback. And if you can get that going, um, then you're gonna you're gonna do really, really well. Um Let's see. Anthony Null is uh, is asking. He wants to hear more stories from the competition days. Um, well, yesterday during the live feed, I did a live feed in the backyard. Uh, it might not have been yesterday. It might have been two days ago. It was actually a good one, too. Um, it was a really good one. And Justin didn't realize you can save videos now that are on um, Instagram. So after we ended it, he didn't hit the save button. So it's, it's gone forever. But I told the story and I can't say who it is because he's a, he's a, he's a valuable, um, archer to our community. But, uh, we were at an ASA shoot. There's a group of us and I'm trying to think, who was there and it it may have been step but um my one buddy he he was shooting really good but he was missing 
all these tw- like I think the first like seven targets um we had to get down and call these things out and they were close but they were out <laughs> but every one of them it was one of those days where every one of them we had to look and you could tell he was getting mad and he was shooting a caliper release at the time i think he was shooting a scott concho the rubber molded ones so he was definitely punching it and he got so mad you could just see it beading up in his eyes and he we call i said sorry man that thing's out and he freaking ripped that arrow out of that target and i mean he was pissed and he went storming to the next target i mean he walked back to his to his shooting stool from from that target he ripped his arrow out went back to the shooting stool and this is impressive actually but it went grabbed his shooting stool and was just literally stomping to the target that was next Got to that target, just threw his stool down, never even picked his binoculars up. He looked down there, and I remember this was a long shot. It was like, it was at least like 43 or 44 yards, but he just freaking threw his stool down, grabbed an arrow, put it on the thing. He literally just looked up at the target and just slid his sight down. I'm talking didn't didn't hesitate three seconds to judge or to even look where the 12 was. And he just freaking ripped that bow back, kind of how I told you to not do it, and just came into that peep and just slammed that trigger. And before the arrow even hit the target, he just turned around and he said, call that mother effer out. And I mean, he hit the exact dead center of that 12 ring. It was so perfect, but I'm not kidding. He actually before that arrow was even at the target he freaking was he literally turned to the whole group and said call that mother effer out and i mean talk about calling your shot not to mention just letting you letting uh letting it show if you just have your natural instincts take over i mean he went to a target didn't even look at it didn't even judge it just had it just literally looked up at it and thought it's 43 yards he knew where the 12 ring was just rip back and punch that sucker right in there so just goes to show you confidence can do a lot he was confident that he was going to get that one but uh it was a good story and i would uh i'd say his name but he works for someone reputable and they might not like that he swore <laughs> I always got I always got in trouble if I swore. I will tell you guys um so the arrow I decided to go with for um for my hunting bow is I'm going to shoot this um 6 millimeter uh Easton Axis. Um uh, it's the Under Armour one. It looked pretty cool. It's got the Ridge Reaper camo in the center of the shaft. I'm shooting one of my new wraps that I've got. Um, pretty cool wrap, kind of psychedelic when you spin them. Uh, I'm shooting the knock-on max stealth vein, nocturnal knock, and then I'll be shooting a 100-grain rage tripan, but I've got um, brass. I went with the brass inserts. And this arrow is shooting really, really good. Yesterday I was shooting it to 100 yards, and I was super happy. But uh, one thing I want to say um you know i was talking 
about uh, a setup that I was working on for Rogan. Since the first half of this podcast, I actually have continued uh, to work on this arrow and build different configurations. This arrow that I'm working on now um, is actually 697 grains. And funny enough, you know, I was trying to just try different arrows. So his standard arrow, I'll give you a little bit of math, and this is pretty cool. So his standard arrow is um, is an Easton Axis uh, 300, and uh, his arrow weighs his arrow weighs uh, 493 grains. Uh, his standard Easton Axis, which is a great you know almost 500 grains, is a good weight for an arrow, right? So with that arrow, 500 grain arrow. Um, his he's shooting 273 feet per second. Now keep in mind Joe's draw length is pretty short. Um, you know it's 28 inches his draw length. So he's shooting a four, uh, 493 grain at 273 feet per second. He's got 81.57 foot pounds, and his momentum is 0.598 slugs. Now. That's the normal arrow that he's shooting. Again, 273 feet per second. But get this. If he shoots this 700 grain arrow, shoots a 700 grain arrow at 235 feet per second, the 235 feet per second arrow has a kinetic energy of 85.82. And the momentum is 0.73 slugs. So it's noticeably, um, you know, the momentum is 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 great. It's awesome, even though it's that much slower. I mean, that's, that's dramatically slower, right? 40 feet per second. Um, however, the in-between, the 700 grain arrow is actually a 250 spine with a full 75 grains up in the front. Now what I did was I worked with a couple other arrows and I actually settled on a um, I settled on a Easton Axis Dangerous Game 300 with 50 grains of brass and with that arrow it's 622 grains so it's a hundred about 125 grains more than his other arrow, and that arrow is shooting 82.89 foot-pounds with a momentum of 0.67. So um, when we look at momentum and how that arrow is going to carry through an object, the faster arrow, the 273 feet per second, uh, 493 grain arrow, is shooting a 0.598. The middle arrow is shooting a 0.67, and the heavy 700 grain arrow is shooting a 0.73. So just from a, the reason I went with the middle one is because um, that 700 grain arrow, I could only get about 60 yards, and that was max. Now with the 600 and something grain arrow, we're able to shoot about 90 yards still, um, which I know Joe really enjoys shooting longer distance simply because he really likes to magnify mistakes and be able to, you know, one, it's funner. It's always, there's two things that make archery funner, a lighted knock 
and longer distance. Put the two things together and it looks like something out of Braveheart or Gladiator and it's cool. The only thing that could be better is if targets were super cheap and we could uh, light them on fire when we hit them. <laughs> that would be the only thing that would make it cooler. Um, so, yeah, I think saying that we're pretty much uh, we're pretty much ready to 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 wrap things up. I think I'm going to show um, the viewers, and again, this is one thing that's going to be cool. Uh, for platinum members, going to be able to, um, and I think gold members. Keep, I can't remember all these memberships right now, but you guys are going to be able to, um, you know, starting June second, you're going to be able to watch these these um, these podcasts. You can watch the private video version um, as well as get the audio version. But you know, the people that are on on uh, social media right now, I'm showing them a video this is uh this is what my bag target does when that 700 grain arrow hits it right here well hold on it's not working but anyway yeah it just shakes it it literally swings across the whole room and my my fairly brand new bag target is no match for that 700 grain arrow it's literally stopping just a few inches from the shaft so um yeah well thanks everybody for tuning in to another knock on podcast and uh i look forward to everyone checking out the site and hey make sure everyone remembers um in case i haven't said it already this next week um immediately following this podcast i'm gonna be um having to do some other commitments so i'm actually not going to be able to be around to uh, do much with the website uh, during this week, which is also why you know we really looked at that June 2nd date so that I'm going to be able to have commitment to it. Um, but yeah, make sure you check out those dates. Oh, and when it comes to the Canada shoot, the one shoot I forgot to mention was my buddy Shane Jensen's, the oilman shoot um, up in Canada. I think it's going to, normally it's like that last weekend in May, and I can't go to that dang thing because it's Harry's graduation. Um, otherwise, that's an awesome, awesome, awesome shoot. If you're in Canada, Oilman shoot, Red Deer Valley shoot, those two alone um, are the only two that you need to do. And I, if I were you and I lived in Canada, I would do the one shoot, the one weekend, then I would find a place to bear hunt in between, and then I would do that last shoot. Um on that last week in a bear season. And I think you'd, uh, you're going to have a good, good time. So appreciate everyone listening. Uh, make sure you spread the word, make sure you, uh, sign up for one of the memberships. You're going to enjoy it. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock on lifestyle clothing, knockonarchery.com.